Welcome to installment 307 of Sefer Mitzvahs from the Rambam. Today we will once again continue our discussion of Positive Commandment 246, the law of Tain Venitin, governing the settlement of financial disputes. The Rambam tells us that this commandment includes the adjudication and the determination of all financial disputes that people could have. Whether people are agreeing about certain things or denying each other's claims, the settlement of these claims is determined by Torah law under this positive commandment 246, as we have been discussing the last few days. The biblical source for this commandment is the book of Exodus, chapter 22, verse 8, which states, I called about a pesha on any form of financial dishonesty and concludes, Asher Yemar, that the suspected person claims, Ki that this is it. What does he mean to say, this is it? The Mechilta explains that the person is not fully denying the claim against him and is not fully agreeing. He is agreeing that there was something done, but for example is disagreeing about the amount. He has claimed to have to owe a hundred dollars, for example, and he says that he owes only fifty. So he is partially agreeing. He admits he owns the money, but is denying the amount. In such a case he is known, says the Mechilta, as a Meide Bemiktas, a person who is partially agreeing. And the law governing his behavior is told to us by the Rambam in his legal code that he must take an oath of biblical origin. He must hold a Sefer Torah, a Torah scroll, and swear that he does not owe more than $50. And only then is he believed to not have to pay the rest of the amount. Should he completely deny the claim that Reuven, for example, claims Shimon owes him $100? And Reuven says, I owe him nothing. I don't owe him a penny. In such a case, he still must take an oath, but not the harsh, severe, biblical oath, which would be if he had partially admitted, but rather he can take a Shavuos Heses, an oath which is only by rabbinic origin, which is not, which effect is not as severe as the biblical oath. The reason for this we have explained in previous explanations of this positive commandment 246. The details of all of these different cases are discussed in the Talmud in the third chapter of Baba Kama, chapters 1 and 8 of Baba Metziah, 5 through 7 of Shavuos, as well as throughout the Talmud. The Chinuch points out that this commandment is not only relating to the Jewish people, but also applies to all inhabitants of the world, that this is one of the seven commandments of B'nai Nayach, of the Noahide commandments applying to the non-Jewish nations of the world as well. Although some claim that this is only according to the Ramban, Nachmanides, as he explains in his commentary on the Chumash regarding the killing of the inhabitants of Shechem by the sons of Jacob, Shimon, and Levi. However, according to the Rambam, there is some dispute as to whether the law of Dinim, the requirement of the non-Jews to keep a court system, applies only to enforcing the other six commandments, or as a general commandment governing all financial cases. And even should we say that it covers all financial situations, there is another dispute in Jewish law as to whether the Noahide laws are required to follow the categorical decisions of Jewish law, or whether the non-Jews are allowed to make their own code and their own determinations on how to resolve financial matters. In any case, 
we see that this law comes under the category of mishpatim, of the laws which are clearly understood intellectually that they necessarily must be kept, that without such laws the world would become a jungle and people would steal from each other and with no justice the world cannot survive. Even though the laws of financial disputes are mishpatim. Nevertheless, certain individual decisions could be things that we would not necessarily suspect. The Medrash tells a story about a man who traveled away from Israel with his son by boat to sell merchandise in a foreign land. There in this land he was able to reap a large profit and came back to Israel on a boat carrying a large chest full of golden coins. He stored this chest in the bottom of the ship and occasionally would check on it to ensure that it was safe and not broken into. However, some sailors on the boat noticed his care and eventually in a quiet time came to inspect this chest and discovered the gold coins. However, they knew they could not steal it since he would certainly catch them eventually. So the two soldiers discussed between themselves plans on murdering this man and his son by throwing them into the ocean and killing them. However, the man overheard this conversation, and being forewarned, he had time to think of a solution to the problem. However, the only solution he could think of was saving his life by throwing it away into the ocean. Therefore, he created a mock argument between himself and his son and started screaming at his son that he was lazy and if we bring this wealth back to our home country and our home city, that you will become even more lazy and you will grow up to be no good. And therefore, the father claimed, I am going to throw this chest of gold coins into the ocean. And he opened up the chest to show everyone on the ship the golden coins. And everyone, including these two sailors, saw him throw it into the ocean into the Mediterranean. At this point, the soldiers could not believe the loss, the tremendous financial loss. But of course, they abandoned any plans on killing this man. There was no reason to do so anymore, since they would not gain any money. Therefore, he had lost the money, but gained his life. However, after the ship docked in Israel, he did not give up and immediately went to the judge of the city and explained to him what had happened and demanded that the sailors give him their money back. The, soldiers were, the sailors were arrested and brought before the judge. The judge questioned them and quickly pulled out of them their plans to kill this merchant. However, the sailors nevertheless claimed innocence. True, we did plan to kill him, but we never touched him. He himself threw the money into the ocean, and therefore we don't have to pay him back. The judge, however, disagreed and determined that since they had caused him to throw the money into the ocean, they had to pay back. How could you give a verdict like that, asked the sailors. We didn't even take, t touch him. We didn't take anything from him. And the judge answered that we see this from the wisdom of King Solomon, who in the book of Koheles in Ecclesiastes states, Eis lahashlich, that there's a time to throw things away. And in such a case, it was the time to throw things away. As a matter of self-defense and to save their lives, they had to throw it away into the ocean. However, they should not have to endure financial harm for saving their lives. Since you would have killed them otherwise, then you are required to pay back. 
and the judgment will remain so, and the sailors were required to pay back this merchant all of the money that he had thrown into the ocean. Sometimes, in the interests of justice, our sages required people to go even beyond the strict limits of the law. As the Talmud tells the story of Rabbi Babachana, who once hired two people to transport a barrel of wine from his cellar to his house. At the, in those days, the wine was made of breakable materials of a kind of pottery. And the rabbi explained to these two workers that the load was very heavy and the wine was extremely expensive and they would have to be careful not to drop or bump the barrel lest it break. And the two people informed him that he did not have to worry, that they were strong and experienced and they would ensure and take responsibility that the barrel not break. However, it was evidently heavier than they expected, and they had difficulty carrying it. And eventually, one of them, in his tiredness, tripped over a rock, and they fell and broke the barrel. And all the contents of the expensive wine, the expensive wine dripped and flowed all over the floor and was lost completely. Crushed and worried about what would be, they informed Rabbah that they broke the barrel and the wine was gone. The rabbi said, you took responsibility. Was it an accident? They said, yes. If it was an accident, said the rabbi, where are your witnesses? And they had no witnesses to prove that it was an accident. Rabbi then determined that according to the Torah law, they were required to pay him back. We are poor, the two of them answered. How can we pay you? Rabbi said, you must leave me your garments then, leave me your coats, and I will take these coats as payment for the money you owe me. Left with, not only without money, but without part of their clothing, the two carriers went to Rav, who was the head of the yeshiva in those days in Surah. And they asked Rav, could he help them? And Rav called Rabba Barbarchana to court, and he informed him that he must pay them back, he must give them back their clothing. Why should I give them back their clothing, Rabba said? According to Torah law, they are required to pay me fully. Rav answered him, You are true. According to the strict law, they are required to pay. But you, being a Torah scholar, must show additional mercy. How will they endure the cold? How can they get along without their clothing? A Torah scholar is required to have an extra showing of kindness and an extra showing of mercy, even when the law does not require it. Rav accepted this and gave back their clothing. However, this did not end the case. The two employees refused to leave. They remained there silently. And Rav asked them, Why don't you leave? Aren't you satisfied? And they answered that we are extremely poor. And even though we have our coats on now, that we have worked an entire day, we lost an entire day, and we have no food for our families. How can we go back if we have no, no money to buy them food? Rav turned to Rabbah and, and told him that he should pay them their money as well. At this point, Rabbah exclaimed, It's not enough that I lose all of this money for what they did. I, in addition, I have to pay them for destroying my wine barrel. And Rav answered them, You're right. According to the strict inter interpretation of the law, you must not pay them. But again, you are required to be merciful. How can you turn them away without any money when they have a hungry family to feed? And the rabbi listened and accepted this lesson that he must be extra merciful and paid these two carriers in full as if they had fully fulfilled their obligation.